Welcome to the weekly message from Rama Family Church. It is our hope that as you listen to this message, you will come to know Jesus better and be established in your faith and equipped for the work of the ministry. You can view the sermon notes and listen online at rama.org.au forward slash media. All right. We're going to pick up on the second Sunday of a, uh, a series that we're calling Relentless Thieves. Something about the, that we've come to know and learn about the devil is he is relentless. Some people weary and give up. He, if he finds in you that if he can just stay at it and then you'll cave, he'll stay, he'll stay at it. And you can't make peace with him. You can't negotiate with him. You'll come up on the short end of the stick every single time because Jesus said this, the thief comes to do what? He hasn't come to have a tea party, I'm telling you. He's come to steal, kill, and destroy, and he hates everybody. Jesus said, but I have come to give life and to give it more abundantly. Or as this verse of Scripture says in this translation, a rich and satisfying life. So we're going to plunge in, but let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we're just so grateful for your word today. We, we come to it. With an open heart, I ask you, the Holy Spirit will help us to have open hearts and open minds, receptive hearts to receive your word, to be instructed, and even if necessary, corrected by it. We ask you, Father, that you would help us to, to when we hear it today, uh, put it into practice right straight away because it's not being in church and just hearing a message that blesses us. It is actually doing the Word. So help us to have handles this morning that we can get a hold of and do your Word in Jesus' name so that the thief doesn't rob us blind still from different parts of our life, but that we can, be, uh, we can be clever and be aware of him and stop him in Jesus' precious name. Can we agree with that? Amen. Amen. All right. Uh, last week we talked about the thief, uh, thief fear. When fear isn't fun anymore, we talked about fear and how to spot it. Fear has a, a main indicator that you can spot it. If it has torment, if there's torment in a different, if, in different areas of your life, mm, somewhere down in a root, there is, it's being fed by fear, all right? So uh, you can get those podcasts, you can get on the website and find that if you weren't here last week or if you'd want to listen to that again. This week, fear, uh, uh, going back to last week, fear has a thing where you, oh, it's awful, you it's oppressive. You want to get it off of you because it's tormenting. We're going to talk about a thief this week that isn't quite like that. We're going to talk about uh, unforgiveness and bitterness. Now, where unforgiveness and bitterness are a little bit different than fear, fear has torment. You're always trying to get it off. Unforgiveness and bitterness is weird. It's sick because People who have bitterness and unforgiveness oftentimes will, will hold it, will hold it close to themselves, will cuddle it, and all the time it's sucking the life out of them like a leech. It's devouring them, and all the time they're holding it. 
it gets bigger and bigger and bigger, them not knowing that what it's eating is them. That's sick. I'm trying to make this as awful as say ooh. Okay. You don't want it, but the weird thing about unforgiveness and bitterness is it comes, we come into this real funk place where we'll hold on to it because, I don't know, you feel sulky and you feel it pets it to, to hold on to it. So we're going to talk about this particular thief and how to beat it today. Um, look at these, uh, in, uh, another word for uh, uh, offense or I mean uh, of unforgiveness and bitterness would be offense. And some uh, years ago when we were we first started um, the church, Tony had me minister one time and along these same lines and when I thought about offense, I saw it like a fence. A fence instead of offense. It was a fence. And um, and so I was thinking about that again, too. If we can look at these different kinds of fences that separate you and other people. Because offense can come between you and somebody. You can share the same house, just like this fence. There's a paddock there. And you share the same scenery, the same sky, the same ground. But there's something there. In other words, you can share the same house, you can share the same office, you can share the same table sometimes, but there is something there. You can see them, you can carry on conversation with them, you can even pass things through the slats of the fence, and these different bars represent different things that they did, different things perhaps that they said, but you still carry on life and ex share the same space. Let's look at another fence. This one, mm, this one's a little different. These, this fence is made with individual rocks representing that we have strategically and purposefully collected offensive things and stacked it up. You remember what somebody said, remember what they did, and it just stacks and stacks and stacks and stacks until you actually have a wall between. All right? Now let's go to another one. This one is not like, this one is more prefab. This is, this is massive. Something massive happened. It's not built up with individual and single little things. It's like a huge thing that happened, and people, woof, put something up. And uh, even though they share, you know, they share this, that same paddock, this person here that's been offended doesn't even want to see the other person. Don't even want to know they're there. And so it's a blockade. Let's look at the next one. Ooch. This one sends a message, doesn't it? That person, there's a fence there, but it's like you get close and you're getting cut. And a lot of times these kind of fences that have this razor wire, it will just, it'll cut you. You get close to that person, it's going to cut you. A lot of these kind of fences are also in prison yards, and they're also, they are all, there's also an electric current in there to jack up the pain if you get close. 
You notice here that it's on one side. A lot of times the person that's on the other side doesn't even, they seem to be skipping about. Seems like life is just going on just okay. It's the person who's been offended that has the razor wire gets hurt every time they approach that person. The other person, doesn't that just tick you off sometime? You can be so mad at somebody and it just seems like they're just happy, happy, happy. It makes it even worse. Now look at this one. Look at this particular fence. Nobody's happy in this one. On either side, not just one side, both sides, you get close and you get close to each other. Ooh, you're getting poked because of things that have happened, things that have been said are really hurtful. Poking. You get close proximity, everybody's getting hurt. Let's look at another one. Ah, that's nice. That offense, uh, we're putting flowers on it. So there, there is a dividing line here. There is, there is a definitely a fence, an offense. But we've just learned to deal with it, put a flower on it, share a cup of tea. But it's still there. Sometimes some things in some relationships can just be there. Hmm. But we've dressed it up. Let's look at the next one. Okay, this one has company. You're in that with, um, again, these cell blocks. And I'm not just talking about the whole cell. I'm talking about the, the, the cinder blocks that are stacked up of different offenses. And, and this is wrong. This is wrong. Uh, the person who has has the offense, not done the offense. It's different than a real prison. In prison, the person who did wrong is in there. In what we're talking about today with unforgiveness and bitterness, the person who is not forgiving and offended is the one in the prison. And prisons, or I mean, in this particular one, you can... You can Tell somebody your story, and they can become offended too, or maybe they've, they've observed your story, and, and, they, and now they've become offended too, and so now you've got company while you're in prison. You get a whole team of people to be in prison with you. But uh, something about prison, what we want to see about this, is that uh, the, the ceilings are just as solid as the floor in the walls. A lot of times with unforgiveness, we are aware of the person that there is unforgiveness to, not realizing that the offense has not just closed you this way, it's also closed you this way, closed you this way, and closed you this way. Offense is an ugly, unforgiveness is an ugly and bitterness is an ugly thing. So, uh, we're going to see that there are three areas, three doors, or uh, the, it opens the door to being robbed in three different ways. There are other ways too, but we're only going to look at three today. And they are that unforgiveness and bitterness affects 
our ability to receive, I'm talking about receive from God, and thinking about that jailhouse. You may be only aware of the wall in front of you and between you and some other person, but that it also affects every area and our ability to even receive from God. It affects your body. And forgiveness and bitterness also uh, opens the door to being robbed in our ability to make good choices. So let's jump into the first one. Unforgiveness and bitterness affects our ability to receive. Mark 11:23. you know, that's our banner verse of Scripture uh, for faith and commanding mountains to be removed and cast into the sea. Then verse 24, Jesus goes immediately into the prayer of faith, not just the command of faith, but the prayer of faith. The prayer of faith we see in Mark 11:24 says this. Jesus is talking. He says, I tell you, you can pray for anything. Say anything. Okay? And if you believe that you've received it, it will be yours. Now, those words are very important. Believe that you receive it. Not just believe it, but you also must receive it. It will be yours. And when you're praying, first forgive anyone who was holding a grudge against, that you're holding a grudge against so that your Father in heaven will forgive your sins too. Now, before we look about sins being forgiven and receiving forgiveness, this instruction that Jesus gave about forgiving other people follows immediately after he's talking about the prayer of faith and receiving anything from God. Jesus connected these two verses of Scripture. Forgiving affects the way you receive from God, keeping in mind that offense, that being offended does not just affect you this way, it affects you this way, all right? So Jesus is saying, forgive so that you can receive. But not just forgive, uh, not just forgiveness, but everything. But well, let's look at forgiveness, about receiving forgiveness, because it's in, it has to do with receiving everything. Jesus, when Jesus came to minister, um, he ministered within the principles of the Old Covenant. Now, in the Old Covenant, forgiveness of sins had not yet been paid for by his blood. He had only come to minister. He had not hung on the cross yet. Forgiveness of sins was only paid for in a, in a shadow sort of a way when an animal was sacrificed one time a year. So forgiveness went out one time a year. Can you imagine having to wait once a year Good gracious, that would have been, that'd be dreadful, wouldn't it? But when Jesus came to minister on the earth, he was ministering under and ministering to people who were still in that Old Testament principle. Forgiveness of sins had not yet been paid for. So when Jesus is giving this instruction here, that if you don't forgive, God won't forgive you. 
That's an Old Testament principle that was true during the time that Jesus ministered. At the end of Jesus' ministry, Jesus went to the cross, and on that cross paid the price for the forgiveness of all sin. He bought an eternal redemption. He paid the price for all sin. Say all sin. So when he forgives today, Jesus doesn't have to die on the cross again. Aren't you glad? It was a one-time sacrifice, so all that is needed to forgive sin has already been paid for. And we'll just hammer on that just a little bit more. But I want you to see in Hebrews, the fourth chapter in verse 16, it says, so, so, let us come boldly into the what the throne of judgment no it's the throne of grace come boldly before the throne of grace our gracious god there we receive his mercy and find grace to help in the time of need we're honing in on the mercy part now mercy for sin so forgiveness has been paid for for all time now Jesus isn't going to die on the cross again. He's not going to suffer again for your sin. It's been done for all time. However, that forgiveness that's been paid for still has to be received. Jesus has paid the price for every human on earth to be born again. But that salvation has to be received. Received by faith, God so loved the world that anybody that, that believes in him will not perish. Salvation is not forced on us. It's not crammed down our throats. It has to be received. Don't you wish you could get somebody to receive it? Don't you wish you could make them receive it? Can you think right now of somebody you just like to slap with it? be saved <laughs> but it doesn't work that way we have we receive salvation we receive forgiveness all right now so he said we it still has to be received and so first John 1 9 which I don't have it up on the screen but I'd like if you know that verse of scripture for us just to say it right now first John 1 9 if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all. Okay? So this verse of Scripture, and backing back up to it, if we confess our sin, now listen to the next part. He is faithful. We know that. He's a faithful forgiver. But listen to the next word, and just, and just. He's not just faithful. He's not just good good-hearted. He's also just. In other words, if you confess your sin, and what I mean by confessing, you acknowledge you need forgiveness, that you've actually done something wrong. That's what confession is. It's just is saying, I've done something wrong that needs forgiving. You come boldly to the throne of grace, and you receive forgiveness. You receive it. He is just to forgive. Listen to this. He cannot 
not forgive you. Amazing. Why can he not not forgive you? Why would it be impossible for him to not give you mercy and forgiveness? It's already been paid for. It's already been paid for by his son. Everything has been paid for, but it must be received. All right? So, let's look at this. You don't have to beg for forgiveness. When we come boldly into the throne room, you don't go in there and beg, God, please, please, please forgive me. What that indicates is that there's a, a chance that he may not. It also shows us that we've been, we've been in situations where you had to beg somebody to forgive you, or maybe somebody's had to beg you to forgive them. Please forgive me. I, I, I'm so sorry, please forgive me. We don't have to beg the Father for forgiveness. It's already been paid for. And we can come and receive. Not only that, but we don't come in boldly into the throne room and feel like we have to earn forgiveness. Now, in other people's relationships, uh, in relationships with each other sometime, we'll say, I'm not going to forgive you until you prove to me that you mean it. You prove to me that you are not going to do it again, and elsewise I'm not going to forgive you. Well, the pathetic thing is, is that is, an, that is a conditional love, and a lot of times what people do then is take that twisted and conditional love and transfer it to the way that they think that God deals with them. Where God has made a way in Christ for us to be like Him, there is absolutely no way that His thinking is going to be like ours. Aren't you glad about that? That is a high thing. That's a stronghold and a high thing that's got to come down. We were singing about that. It's wrong thinking to think that we have to earn his forgiveness, beg for his forgiveness. It says something about him that he's withholding it like humans do, have to be convinced like humans do. No or that Jesus hasn't even paid for it yet. No, Jesus did come. His blood was effective. I remember one time I was, I was uh, praying and crying and begging for forgiveness because it was one of those things that I had done over and over. Does anybody ever commit the same thing over and over and over and over? Okay, that was me. So I was crying and, pr and praying and begging for forgiveness. And the Lord pulled me up real short. He said, he said, stop that. He said, that kind of whining and crying and begging is saying to me that you do not consider the blood of Jesus to be effective to forgive sin. Well, I wasn't meaning to say that. And so we believe in the power of forgiveness. We believe that the, the sacrifice that Jesus paid was for all time. Now, we don't have to beg for forgiveness. We don't have to earn forgiveness. We just receive it. This forgiveness that we receive from God 
is the way that we receive everything else then also for God. Receiving other things from God requires faith. In Galatians 5 and verse 6 says that our faith to receive healing, for instance, finances, uh, other promises that are in the Bible, we receive those by faith. Our ability to receive works by love. And the devil knows that. So he'll strategize things to get you out of love and get you to have fences so that it affects your ability to receive, okay? 1 Corinthians 13 and verse 5, speaking about love, and there's a whole bunch of things that uh, 1 Corinthians 13 characterizes love with, but one of the things that the divine love of God does is this. It keeps no record of being wronged. No record. Some people can tell you exactly what, you know, what happened, when it happened, how it happened, over and over and over. And you say, where's the promise of God? Oh, I don't know where that one is. But they can tell you, take you right back to the, the offense instead of the answer. Do you see what I'm talking about? Those, that record keeping of wrong is what builds fences, okay? So, if we're going to, if we're going to have a strong receiving from God, it'll be important that we receive forgiveness for ourselves, and in that way of forgiveness, we're able to give forgiveness to other people. Forgiveness is not optional. It is absolutely essential in being able to receive from God because it's the way you receive mercy and everything else. Let's go to the second thing. I won't take time, very much time on this one, but the second way that unforgiveness and bitterness affects us and sets us up to be robbed is it affects your body. Now, I, I got this out of psychologytoday.com. It says, bitterness undermines your physical health by engendering some problems such as insomnia, high blood pressure, back pain, headaches, abdominal conditions. For the chronic anger that is bitterness can, can raise your stress baseline, thereby taxing or overloading your immune system. Here's another, here's another quote by Charles, uh, Dr. Charles Rayson. He says, bitterness is a nasty solvent that erodes every good thing. It is nothing to embrace. It is nothing to hold on to. The right to be mad and hold a grudge against somebody. It is something to get rid of. And we'll talk about getting rid of it in just a bit. Unforgiveness, let's look at the third area. Unforgiveness and bitterness affects our ability to make good choices. Let me give you an example. First Kings, the 21st chapter, there was a king of Israel. Some of the kings were better than others. Ahab was notoriously horrible. He led the, uh, the children of Israel into worshiping Baal. Under the influence of his wicked, wicked wife, Jezebel. Anyway, outside of the palace, there was a vineyard that belonged to a man by the name of Naboth. And Ahab thought, I want that uh, vineyard 
to make a vegetable patch. And so he went to Naboth and he said, could I, could I have that? Could I buy, I'll buy that from you. And Naboth said, mm, I can't give it. It's not for sale. That vineyard was passed down in, in my family in the generations. That it was passed down. I cannot give it. He went, Abraham was so offended by that. He went home. And the Bible says he laid in his bed and turned his face to the wall. Wouldn't eat, pouting. This is a grown man. This is some of the things that you'd expect from a four-year-old that you don't give candy to, and they get under the table, and they're, you say, what's wrong? They didn't give me a lolly. Well, it, it looks different with a four-year-old under the table. This is a grown man in the bed, and he's, he is, uh, he's hurt, okay? His wife comes in. Jezebel comes in and said, what are you doing? He said, Naboth won't give me his vineyard. And so she said, you're the king. You can have anything you want. Get up, eat. I'll get it for you. So she arranged a situation that got Naboth stoned and killed. She went back into her husband Ahab and said, it's yours. So that would seem like that's the end of the story, but it wasn't. Both Ahab and Jezebel, as a result of that, brought, brought the most hideous things into their own life. That, that offense. And uh, so, you can just see that being offended for Ahab, even though he is the king of Israel, the king of God's people, this offense landed him in a situation that he was vulnerable and looking for somebody to soothe him, which ended up being his wicked, wicked wife. She gave counsel that if he hadn't have been offended, he would have never taken. Being offended sets you up for, and I use this word purposefully, stupid advice counsel that is absolutely wrong. And if you were in a different situation, you wouldn't, you wouldn't buy it. You wouldn't say, no, that ain't good. But in that pouso, offended condition, you'll take advice from people you would never take that advice from. All right? Let's look at a verse of Scripture. 1 John 2 and verse 9 says, he who says he lives in the light, in other words, a Christian, that uh, is somebody that's born again, and hates his brother, is in darkness. <laughs> you may have Jesus in your heart, but you're walking in darkness. All right? Until now, he who loves his brother abides in the light. So, God is light. He's the father of lights. You abide in the light when you abide in love, okay? Now, let's go back to the Scripture, and it says, there is no cause for stumbling in him. Let's just stop right there. No cause for stumbling. If you abide in the light, you don't stumble around that you would if you were in the dark. No cause for stumble. Now, if you'll read other translations of this verse of Scripture, it doesn't only mean that you stumble, it also means that you don't cause other people to stumble. When you're in the dark, 
You not only are in a position to trip and fall yourself, but you're also in a position that you can cause other people to trip and fall. Family members, people that you love, can trip over your stumbling about in the dark. Keep going here. But he who hates his brother is in darkness and walks in darkness. His lifestyle is in darkness and does not know where he's going because the darkness has blinded his eyes. So let's say you've got choices to make. You've got decisions to make. Could be huge life choices. Could be something that you just need to know within a day. Do you want to make those choices in the light? Or do you want to make those choices with no light on at all? Don't you want to see things clearly when you're making a choice? Absolutely. If you're going to walk across your, uh, walk around in your house with the, with the light off, you know, as you do sometime in the middle of the night or whatever, you don't just don't go barreling, uh, go, go barreling through your house. Uh, you have like at least little night lights, but you don't usually go running in a half-lit house. You want to have the light up so you can see what to, how to navigate. Listen to this. That's in your own house. What if you were walking in some place you'd never walked before? Some place you've never, you've never navigated before. You really need the light. But what if you don't have it? What if it's dark? Tony just, um, you know, he's up with Tony, uh, with Anna, and they're staying in a hotel. And Anna was telling me, she was laughing about it, that her father uh, got up and um, he tripped on, uh, hung his toe on the end of the bed and um, caved to the floor, you know, with his, his toe, uh, hammer toe, or what, trucker's toe. He's made him, he did something else with his toe. She just, she said he was so funny when he caved to the floor and was holding his toe and all. So, but he didn't, he doesn't, you don't do that in the light. You do that when you don't know where you're going. You trip on stuff. You fall over stuff. You have pain, a uh, pain. And a lot of times it's just because there's no light. And the reason there's no light is because we've stepped out of the light for the luxury of being mad at somebody. And in that darkness, make life choices or make decisions about important stuff. If you have choices coming up, it's really good to investigate and make sure you don't have any fences up. You don't have anything that's blocking the light. You want to be in the light, have all the lights on. And if you're going, if you're having to Go from here to there because there's no light on. You know what you have to go by? What do we call it? If you can't see, you have to go by what? You have to go by feel. And nowhere in the Bible does it say the just shall walk by feel. I use feel. If you start reverting to just how things feel, you are, you are such a sitting duck for the thief. He can steal you. You've painted yourself red. Okay? So, we don't want to go by feeling. Now, I want to, before we get into what we can do to beat these thieves, let's look at something here. This is um, 
a, a boundary line. It, it is lit in, the, in Google where I looked up this image. It actually uh, helps to define property. Okay, this is a boundary line. Boundaries, and the reason I'm bringing it up is because um, I felt prompted in the Lord to bring it up. So I am. Boundaries are not fences. Boundaries are not offense. And I had in my heart that it would be important for somebody that has had a boundary set by somebody else regarding you. And you're thinking they need to remove those boundaries because it's, you think that's offense. It is not offense. It is different than offense, all right? A boundary does not separate you, but I wrote this down. What a boundary does is give clear definition for respect and trust to guard a relationship from offense and abuse. It actually, good boundaries can help protect relationships from offense and abuse. And so it is not a rejection. Boundaries are not a rejection, but defines a way, a different ways a person can demonstrate that they choose to have further relationship with you. All right? So boundaries are not offense, and they can actually protect a relationship. <clears throat> now, let's look at the ways to beat the thief. Relentless thieves and way to beat them. Let's look at some ways to beat them. Number one, the first thing that we can do to beat this thief is this thief of unforgiveness and bitterness. Remember that God's forgiven you. Remember. Um, you remember what Psalms 103 says, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits, who forgives all thine iniquities and heals all thy diseases. In the New Testament, what we could say and say accurately is say, don't forget his benefits. He forgave all our iniquities. He did when he died on the cross. That forgiveness that's been paid for needs to be received. In the same way that he's healed our bodies, we receive it in Jesus' name. So remember how God has forgiven you. That he has forgiven and how he has forgiven. He's forgiven us freely and unconditionally. And he doesn't make you beg for it and he doesn't make you earn it. You just come and receive it. Okay? Now listen to this one. Ephesians 4.32, be kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another. Now look at this last phrase, just as God, or in the same way that God, through Christ, has forgiven you, is the same way we forgive other people. And so we receive freely from God forgiveness, and in the same way that you freely for receive forgiveness, you're able to freely give forgiveness, all right? So the next thing is to freely receive forgiveness from God. Receive it. You can receive forgiveness. You don't have to stack it up and wait for every Sunday or for every communion Sunday or once a year or once a month or even once a week. You, you don't even have to wait for once a day. 
That was the Lord's Prayer. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive our iniquities or our debts as we forgive those that uh, trespass against us. Uh, you know, that's daily prayer. Uh, but no, as soon as you've done something that isn't right, you can receive forgiveness right there. In the same way you receive forgiveness, you'll find that you give it. If you're not receiving forgiveness, you'll tend to hold forgiveness back from other people. All right? So we receive freely forgiveness from God. Listen to this. Don't wait for apologies. Have you ever thought, I'll forgive them when they apologize. I'm not going to do anything until they apologize. I'm going to, they have to apologize. Why? Why would you hand your freedom to somebody else? I'm going to stay in this prison until they say, I'm sorry. I'm going I'm to keep myself in this cell until they say they're sorry. Why would you do that? Think about if God waited for us to say, I'm sorry, for him to be happy and free. He would be the most bound, miserable being in the whole universe because all of us have sinned against him. God is the most free there is. And because he's not waiting on your apology, he is love. He is life. He is light. And he's constantly, he's giving that way. Don't wait for somebody to remove the fences in your life. You decide, I'm not having them. Apologies aren't for you. They're for the person who did the wrong thing. Recently, recently, I, there was a, somebody who received an official apology from somebody who had done them wrong for years. But this person had long since forgiven the offender, long since, and has lived happy and free when that person that had been offending gave the uh, official written apology. It was like, that's good. I'm glad for you. I've been fine. I've been fine. You want to be fine. And giving forgiveness keeps you free. All right? Now, so don't wait for apologies. The next one is pray for your enemies. Pray for your enemies. That seems wacky. But Jesus started this in Matthew, the fifth chapter, in verse 43. He said, you've heard that the law says, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say, love your enemies. Pray for those that persecute you. In that way, you'll be acting as true children of God, of your Father in heaven, for he gives his sunlight to both the evil and the good and sends rain on the just and the unjust. Pray for them. I want to make a, get, tell you a story about that. I went, went to minister in California, I mean in Florida, this has been some years ago, at, at this television studio, did some different meetings down there, and the, one of the women that were on the, uh, that team of this uh, television ministry had a horrendous thing happen in her life before. Her daughter, her only daughter, had broken up with her boyfriend, and her boyfriend um, 
and then started dating another young man. Well, this ex-boyfriend became insanely jealous and uh, went and knocked on the door of, of this girl, and when she opened the door, he unloaded a gun in her face and killed her. And so if you have a, a real bona fide, not just I don't like the way you look at me or I don't like the way, you know, the tone of your voice wasn't quite nice. Or, no, 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 no. This, is a, this could be a, a reason to be offended. And so and she, this mother could have lived the rest of her life in a cell that was made from a good reason to live in a cell the rest of her life, if there can be a good reason. Well, she talked. She started doing this verse of Scripture. A novel thing for a Christian to do, obey Jesus Christ. <laughs> we ought to give it a go. See how we go. She prayed for this enemy. As she prayed, started receiving this mercy from God, praying. This young man wasn't praying for mercy. He was just rotten in prison. And any mother in that situation would be glad he was there. She received, started receiving this love from God, this mercy from God. She told the prison, she said, I, I, I want to talk to that young man. They said, no, it's against regulation. Somebody with that's this kind of a situation, you cannot talk to him. She said, but you don't understand. I've got something from, from God to tell him. She convinced him. They accompanied her. She sat across from this young man, and she looked at him in the face and told him about the love of God and about the forgiveness that God wanted to give this young man for taking the life of her daughter. He took it. He took the forgiveness, and it changed his life, but it didn't just change his in the way that God works. The beautiful forgiveness starts moving and starts affecting. It started affecting other prison, prisons, uh, prisoners. And there was a move of God in that prison as a result of this woman obeying the words of Jesus. She has a whole ministry now for people who have had drastic and dastardly things happen to them to get them into this. It has worked in all kind of other prisons. Other prisons have called her on, and her ministry to come into them and help parents and relatives that have been devastated. There's hope for anybody. Jesus is giving an invitation for people to come out of prisons of, of offense, even good reason offense. Come out, and you can come out by receiving his forgiveness in our life and extending and giving that same forgiveness to other people. The last thing we want to talk about today is on occasion you need to make boundaries. We can't go into the detail of that if the worship team can please come. The boundaries may need to be made to secure a relationship that you value. That we know that there is to be more future in that, and you'd like to know more, I recommend there's boundary series that you can find the books and, and CDs from by Drs. Henry Cloud and John Townsend. Townsend. Some really good uh, information about good boundaries. Praise the name of the Lord.
I'm going to pray for you. Oh, I, ha I actually have been praying for you. I've been praying for you all the week. I knew Tony had it on his heart that we were supposed to talk about forgiveness and unforgiveness, being a thief. As I've been this week praying, I'll tell you what I saw in the Holy Ghost. I saw such blessing pressing in on, on our lives, on different ones of our lives, such, just pressing in. The only thing holding it out were walls of unforgiveness. Not God withholding blessings. God is not withholding blessings from anyone in here. No one. But in releasing, in releasing, giving forgiveness to people, letting things go, the ceiling that's been above your head. God's been trying to get things to you through all different kinds of ways, but there's been fences of thorns and razor wire or rock walls or whatever. God wants you to release it and let it go. Can I pray for you today? Dear Heavenly Father, we pray today for your... Receive your love. Can you just receive his love right now? Forgiveness all over this room. If people actually in this room today forgive themselves and not hold themselves in this place of wrong. They receive forgiveness. We thank you, Father, for your unconditional, fully paid for forgiveness today. In Jesus' precious Thanks for listening. We're always encouraged to hear how God is using this ministry to change lives. If you have a story you would like to share about how God is working in your life, please let us know and send us an email at church at If you would like more information or resources on this or other topics, or if you would like to sow into this ministry financially to help us share messages just like this one each week, please visit our website at rhema.org.au.